0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to iFreaks episode number 257. This week on our panel, we have James Zuber. Hello from Minneapolis. I'm Andrew Madsen in Salt Lake City, and we have a special guest today. Mark, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello,
1: I'm Mark Kirstein. I'm from London in England. What do you do, Mark? Uh, so I'm an app developer, um, but primarily for magicians and the market, uh, the, the magic market in general.
0: Yeah, so uh this is a niche market which is kind of something we're going to talk about. Um apps for niche markets, but you make an app for ma- you make apps for magicians, which is certainly a niche market and you were telling me before the show that you pretty much make your your living doing that. Um how long have you been how long have you been uh making apps for magicians and and how long has that been sort of your main thing?
1: Right. So uh since about 2013 I started making apps for magicians about full time maybe a, a year later. Uh, and I suppose it kind of splits between the two it's, I, I mean it's either making stuff for the general market of magicians for anyone who kind of wants to go ahead and and buy stuff or for maybe a specific project directly for someone uh consulting work kind of thing.
2: Now are these apps for people that want to learn magic tricks? are these for professional musicians are these for like massive productions like david Copperfield or
1: what tell us about these apps? Yeah, so so yes, it's a good question. They vary. Um, it's probably a weird concept to someone who's not a magician as to what the marriage of tech and magic would look like. Um, and sometimes I think if a magician, uh, a technical magician at least, does their job correctly, you probably might not even know that the trick was a technical one. Um, uh, David Copfield uh, has some tech in his show, um, specifically um, and some app magic at the beginning of his show. If, if you've seen his Vegas show recently, uh, it begins by getting everyone to email him and uh there's certainly some kind of technology element involved quite a you know overt use of phones um so sometimes big projects i've spent a few years working for david blaine uh over in new york and then we went to la Um, and also smaller little things so things of people who just kind of want to download an app from the app store and, and learn a trick and be able to perform that to their friends
0: so you do both though a- apps that are actually used in magic performances and then you know smaller things.
1: Yes, absolutely both And, and so some of the apps will be a full-fledged magic trick that itself It would teach you and give you the functionality to perform the effect um, But I also do apps that are just the method for a trick So um, the trick might be with analog props or with something else um, But they might just be kind of a methodological thing that is taking advantage of, of an iPhone or a kind of server-based bit uh, to, to achieve the intended effect
0: Um, what's your, what's your background performing magic?
1: Uh, background in magic. I, I've been doing magic longer than I've been doing anything else. So it was when I was four years old, my, my uh, parents bought me a a magic set. There was a magician here in England called Paul Daniels. I don't know how famous he is in the States, but it wasn't too long before David Blaine had his first street magic special on TV and they bought me a magic set. And I was hooked ever since when I realized how cool it made me look at school to my friends. but yeah, I did, I did that with, in terms of magic, uh, in terms of tech stuff, I went to university, I, I studied maths or math, as you might call it over there, uh, computer science for my masters. And so the, the marriage of the two is quite natural for me.
0: Well, you've got me beat. I, I, my, my, uh, there was a magic shop not too far from my house when I was a kid and uh, my parents signed me up to take magic lessons, uh, when I was five. And so I took ma- actual magic lessons from a magician there and, um, Unfortunately, I kind of dropped it. and <laughs> By the time I was a teenager, I was not really as interested anymore. But uh, I, I kind of, that's, you know, you know how you look back on life and you think, uh, I really wish I had stuck with piano or I really wish I had stuck with, you know, some sport. I played it right.
1: Road. Magic, right.
0: Magic is that for me.
1: It's, it's not too late, I'd say. I know a lot of people who get into it later in life or, or kind of, I meet a lot of people with similar stories. Um, I, I go out and do gigs on occasion. I'll go around and uh, perform at weddings and things like that on, on, on rare occasions. And uh, now it's people who tell me the kind of similar stories. Um, some people even get back into it and they then they can be very, very good even after a couple of years or so. So it's, it's a very common story. Oh, I should do it. I'm, I have a
0: son now and I think it would be, he, he's getting old enough now where magic tricks, you know, he can he can get them. He can understand what's going on, and been thinking I need to practice up and sure start doing them again at least for him because he would enjoy them.
1: Oh, absolutely!
2: So, how did you get start writing apps? What was your your first app? What made you think magicians would do this? Were you trying to make money? Were you just doing scratching your own itch? Ah,
1: uh, yes, yeah, good question. I um, it was kind of at the birth of the app store. Um, there was a news story that that. Came out where, uh, you know, it was apps were getting rejected left, right, and center for various different things, and the app review guidelines were very much still the living document that they are today. Um, and there was a case where that, that really flagged my eye because because normally I see my magic news in one place and my tech news in another place, uh, but this was something that seemed to come up of magic news when, like on Gizmodo and stuff, where uh, some magicians were. Having a battle with with Apple to try to get their app approved, and they ended up getting Phil Schiller involved and all this stuff, and eventually they 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 won. And it was one of the first kind of triumphs against Apple's uh, Apple's initial ruling. Um, and so I saw that and I was intrigued because I, I kind of always wanted to make uh, software, like you know, doing something that's kind of not been done before. Um, and I didn't really consider it. So I think I saw that back in about 2009 or so, 2008, 2009, I think that story was. It was about Theory 11 uh, rising card app, which is a pretty good, it's a, it's a great little trick to show your friends. It's like a, a card rises from the deck on, on, on an on-screen deck. It's, it's a pretty cool uh, effect. So I, yeah, I saw that, started making an app for a friend of mine who um, whose developer left him for some reason or another, didn't, uh, take on version two of, of his product. And um, I made that for him. I, I didn't do a very good job because I, I told him I've never made an app before, but for some reason he trusted me with the job. Uh, so I, I never was formally kind of trained as a software developer, but I kind of started learning since then.
2: So what was the process like from, you know, not really knowing how to code, having some, you have some technical background because you studied math maths. Yeah, right. So, what was it like to go from that to actually making money and making a living? Like, how did that process go?
1: Um, yeah, it's uh, slowly, I think. And it, it was never, there were never intentional steps that I took to kind of get here. And I still very much feel like an amateur. You, 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 I mean, I, I listen to uh, iFreaks and I always hear things and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, I'm often way out of my depth with stuff. So I, I feel like I'm still learning. Um, but I suppose I suppose everyone feels like they're still learning to a point. So how, how did it go? I, I I think it's one of those kind of learning by doing things. Initially, I was kind of sitting down with notebooks and trying to absorb any kind of tutorials and anything I could find and reading docs and, and doing kind of the traditional stuff. And but, but I think there's something to be said about doing that kind of really helps you absorb information quicker so the more things i did the more kind of ideas i had um magic hasn't got a huge history with with software um there's there's loads and loads of card tricks but there aren't many kind of software-based tricks there's there's a few there's probably more than you might expect but it's it's not such a huge uh huge kind of untapped market there's there's still quite a lot of work that has been done uh, sorry there's there's not a, a loads of work that has been done to the point that you know you can kind of let your creative juices flow and think oh that would be quite good so I had, like, a, eventually kind of built up this library of really badly coded um, magic apps that, um, yeah, I, I kind of kept doing it and kept doing it and, and got to a point where I think I can make something that I'm quite proud of.
2: Um, that's cool. So how do you make the jump from making enough money to, you know, quit your proverbial day job or whatever you're doing before?
1: Right, so I when I first made... Um, the first magic app for myself. So I made an app for a friend at this point uh, I, made, I made an I made app for myself for, for for general sale But for myself now that, that was on the app store and I realized there was actually quite a lot of interest in it I think more and more magicians were getting phones Magicians like to carry around cards, but ideally you'd want to carry around A more everyday props. So if you had something that's a always on you and B was natural to its environment not like a silk handkerchief or something that's quite clearly uh, got the intention for a trick then it's it's going to be a kind of you know a useful tool for a magician to have. And so it was only when I realised the popularity of the first effect that I created that I thought maybe there's uh, maybe there's something to this. And so eventually I realised I I was I was working in a bank um, after university and I really didn't enjoy it too much. So it was I, I kind of left thinking I can perform magic full time, which I, I I also wasn't a huge fan of doing. Um, but doing this on the side kind of proved. Good and and given that you know I've I've since worked with quite a few uh, uh, prolific magicians it was also quite useful you know go, going and learning more magic from doing it as well and learning more kind of to what people might want at the same time being able to work on my own stuff on the side um, really helped to to let me kind of retire from full time work at least
2: okay very cool now are you advertising this is it spread by word of mouth like how how would a, a magician somewhere halfway across the world, find your app and say, Hey, I want to buy that.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, it's a really, it's a really tricky game. I think with some magicians are a weird bunch, um, not not to put them down until they're, they're, everyone wants, uh, every trick on the market. All magicians will want, you know, magicians buy tricks, they'll learn tricks from books and stuff, but there's also this kind of weird marketplace where people can buy and sell uh, their creations. And so, uh, that's, that's a, a thing. It's like an open secret that magicians have, but, um, magicians don't want other magicians to do the trick, and certainly don't want other spectators to be aware that that what they just did might have been achieved by an app or something that wasn't their own powers or their own kind of uh, intelligence that they could um, have achieved it. So, um, it's 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 weird. Uh, it's it's you know, the magicians drive prices upwards. They they'll, they'll say you know this needs to be more expensive to stop someone curious from coming in. Um, but you can't segregate an audience on the app store. So if you put something on the app store, you can't say, this is only going to be for magicians. So I can't go ahead and advertise, uh, my work to people who aren't magicians easily. Um, but mostly word of mouth kind of, kind of helps out if a magician does a trick to another magician, the other magician might say, you know, that's really cool. Where did you, uh, you know, where did you get the trick? Um, and they might tell them, uh, and, and it's, it's still a small enough world, uh, app magic for for it to kind of spread organically like that, but I still haven't figured it out. Um, but no, not much advertising, certainly not not online advertising to uh, to the general public.
0: Well, you you mentioned before that you you make a variety of things. Some are you know apps for live performance. Um, you talked about working with David Blaine, um, and then and then having these apps on the app store. It sounds like you make your money from sort of a mix of things. Is it? I mean serving serving a niche market you've got a couple problems one is that the total size of the market is fairly limited so you know let's say you manage to get a hundred percent penetration every single magician on earth buys your your app uh that's still a limited yeah. amount of money like how, how, how do you solve for that
1: yeah absolutely so so you know magicians want things to be priced highly which is great but yes as you say there's going to be a point where uh, those things will kind of flatten out. Um, I'm starting to try to see if subscriptions work. Traditionally, magicians, when they purchase a trick, they'll be paying a set fee for something. And given that, I mean, I suppose there's two frames of, of mind when you're buying an app trick. One is that you're buying an app and the other one is that you're buying a trick. And I think magicians still see them very much as tricks and tricks they're very much used to buying um, for a one-off fee. And so I'm trying to figure out subscriptions. At the moment, I'm simply giving people the choice. They can either uh, pay a one-off fee to have the functionality within an app for life, um, or they can pay me a significantly smaller fee and, and maybe pay monthly or yearly for, for something. So I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, coming up with new ideas, often trying to come up with new apps, it's quite tricky, uh, to do so not because the ideas are necessarily too hard to think of, but having to deal with app store review for, for some things is, is always a little bit of a challenge. Um, and then I suppose on the, on the other side, I've got consulting work, which always kind of uh, takes me over. The two play into each other quite nicely. If I come up with an effect with a magician, perhaps for a TV show or a live show, uh, maybe it won't be something that is used on the show, but it might be kind of possible for me to go ahead and release that to magicians in general. So there's always kind of options and things always kind of being developed.
2: Uh, tell us about the effect you're talking about. Like, What would be an example of something
1: you would develop for with another comedian? Uh, yes, so it, it really, really varies. And it's going to be tricky for me to say. It's, it's going to be one of those things where the more insightful stuff would be kind of surrounding the tricks. But I might not be able to say too much about the tricks themselves. But it, it, it's really kind of, um, I don't know, uh, cl- classic effects. So, so there's a few categories. Classic effects where maybe they kind of get digitized. Um, so there's a, there's a kind of effect where someone thinks of a word from a book uh, and the magician can kind of read that person's mind and tell them what word they're thinking of. Um, so maybe there's some uh, benefit to, instead of it being from a book, but maybe it's from, I don't know, Wikipedia or from the internet or something. So you go ahead and search for anything on Wikipedia, think of any word on the page, uh, simply think of that word, I'll tell you what the word you're thinking of is and uh, and, and what page you're on and all that kind of stuff. So So th- like modernizing classic plots is one category of tricks. Um, there's, there's tricks like pulling stuff out of screens that a lot of magicians do very well. I'm not a huge fan of that stuff. I, I think it's perhaps a little more uh, apparent as to what's going on, but it's quite nice visual eye candy, but that certainly is another category of of effect that magicians might make. Um, uh, but a variety of stuff, a variety of stuff. It's, it's, it really depends kind of what the need is. And like, like I that there are also tools that could be used. And, and I've, I've done a little bit of work with custom hardware, um, For things like you know, even if it was like a card trick or something where you don't expect there to be too much uh, going on in terms of uh, in terms of technology, you you might be surprised when you learn some of the methods. Do you work with anyone else to come up with tricks? Um, If I'm working on a TV show for uh, someone, I'll work with the magician themselves. They'll have other consultants in uh, on occasion who you know sometimes we'll talk about different ideas for effects with. Um, Sometimes. Uh, if if it's for myself i tend to work very much alone which is um, well, it, there's there's also a weird thing of of input method of of if there's an effect that requires somehow the magician to secretly code into the to the app uh what card someone's thinking of or what word they're thinking of or something like that um, some magicians have already developed other effects with uh, uh the, the the very very different effects but but have a really kind of good way a good sneaky way of getting that word or getting that card inputted into the app. And magicians are very, very particular over who's is who's. And so sometimes there will be uh, conversations with other magic app developers, of which there are a few, um, to to figure out, you know, can I can I use this? Do you mind if I if I grab that? So that there will be, maybe not work, but certainly conversations that happen around these kind of things. So what are some challenges you run into, you know, making the the
2: bigger apps that, might be for a big, big production.
1: For a, for a big production, probably not too much. Uh, if if it's if it's big enough, there'll be custom hardware. We might be able to use um, custom software. It, it's. I think the bottleneck on that kind of stuff would simply be the idea. Once we've had the idea, of getting it made or getting it built is is probably okay. Um, the smaller stuff and certainly the stuff that goes on the app store is a little bit trickier. A lot of these apps kind of rely on things like simulating bits of iOS, just like the app projection I was referring to earlier. Um a lot of apps kind of, you know, might want to fake a calculator screen or a phone dialing screen or something like that. And uh Apple get a little bit fussy as to how much of iOS you're simulating, even though I suppose an app could be on the App Store that requires the magician to set it up with setting screenshots of these things and 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 doing that kind of bit bit of work for the uh for the developer. Um that's that's normally the biggest issue, I think, with Magic Apps is is getting past that review. But if you if if that's not your goal, then 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 uh it's normally okay. Um, but having those conversations with that review, seeing what's allowed, what isn't, what compromises can be made is normally probably um the biggest the biggest fear in most magic app developers uh
2: uh yeah, pipeline. Okay. So you you're doing things like simulating a the keyboard, so they press it, but it's not actually happening, or a calculator stuff like that.
1: You're right, right, right. So, so um, I can give you one example where I was using, I thought it would be a great idea to secretly input a playing card while your phone is in your pocket. And one great way of doing that would be to use the volume buttons because you can't really put your hand in your pocket and touch the screen. It's far more falling if your hand is kind of dangling by the side of your jeans, for example, and kind of hitting those buttons while, you're, uh, while your phone isn't in sight. Um, uh, and Apple uh, weren't a big fan of the volume buttons being used for anything other than volume. This was before, I think, Camera Plus used VolSnap, as they called it, to let the volume button take a photo. I think they got rejected for the same reason. And then Apple later kind of budged and said, okay, you're allowed to use the volume button if you're taking a photo. Um, so there might be little things like that, simulating things or, uh, I don't know. It, no, normally, these things kind of rely on a little thing. I, I had an app on the App Store, which um, lets you, uh, you, apparently you're dialing a number into dialer screen, and it looks like it's calling one number, and when you put the phone to your ear, it actually hands off to the real phone app and starts calling another. so you can apparently dial any number, and when you put the phone to your ear you're you're, you're calling another number. Um, and it also would spit out a contact. It would save a contact in your into your into your contacts, where the phone number that you type in is the name of the contact, and the number of contact is the real number that you want to call. So even when it transitions to the real phone screen, it would look like you're calling the um the number that was dialed into the screen. Uh, and that was fine, I think, up to iOS nine. And then Apple uh, made it, I think there was that case of an app or or a script on a website, I think it was a bit of JavaScript that was um, calling 911 on a loop. And so Apple did a software update, I think it was 9.1, that stopped apps from being able to um, uh, uh, call numbers without without propping up a a system UI dialogue. Um, And that was for apps and for websites. So that also broke my functionality for the app seamlessly being able to transition over to the real phone app. Um, And then for some reason they... Let that go in iOS 10. I think in iOS 10 or maybe iOS 11, uh, you could pass over to the phone app seamlessly, at least if from another app. And then back with iOS 12, that dialogue's come up again. So, so my, my, um, it's annoying because, you know, this doesn't just affect people who've already got uh, people, new customers. It also affects people who've already got the app as well. So uh, those are, those are uh, you know, probably my biggest challenges. And I have conversations with Apple all the time about this kind of stuff. And it's, uh, it's, it's annoying, but, but hey, it's the game. Okay, so we're not breaking some big expose like where the
2: magician's guild is going to come after us for revealing all these secrets, like you know,
1: fake apps, oh, they're not a real thing, right? Yeah. Oh no, no, no. I mean, I mean, all if right. you search for a magic trick on the app store, you'll 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 find more than what I've told you. There's no, there's no, um, yeah, yeah. It's like I say, you can't separate the audiences, and I, 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 don't think I've given. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not prepared to give too, uh, too much method away, but in, enough to illustrate the point. I think it's probably fair. Okay.
0: Well, I want to ask another question that I could probably find by searching the app store. You mentioned that your apps, magicians, are still willing to pay for tricks. Uh, so, what does sure. that mean? How how expensive are your apps?
1: So, uh, yeah, it's it, mine are probably not the most expensive. There are some others who value their stuff a little bit more and really ramp the prices up, like into the maybe three hundred dollar plus range. It's it's a weird position for pricing magic apps because I think people. You know, there's the whole argument, especially mobile apps that we think are going to be low price because they're smaller screens. That that certainly seems to be a notion at the moment. Um, Whereas magicians would go into a shop and buy a magic trick, a physical magic trick, and might spend, for a a pretty good tool, might spend a thousand or a couple of thousand dollars on something. Um, And for a magic app that can kind of replicate a similar functionality, it's kind of this weird halfway house between, you know, a a big kind of purpose-built physical tool... And, and an app like Facebook that you're used to getting from the app store for free. Um, so, so some of mine are, I think my most expensive is $75 or something like that. Uh, some others, like I say, in $300. So uh, some people, you know, have made pretty good stuff and it's maybe 20 or 30 bucks, um, but it really varies. Really, really varies. Um, my uh, Yeah. Yeah. one One of the things that, that it affects is, is, is piracy. Magicians are, um uh I, the most exclusive magic torrent uh, sorry the most exclusive torrent tracker in the world i think is a magic torrent tracker there's this uh, uh torrent tracker which is uh just has loads and loads of magic tricks and loads loads of stuff so magicians really do try to get a lot of stuff for free and I'm, I'm not trying to paint them in a bad light but but it's just um it's, it's just a fact it's just it's just magicians torrent magic stuff all the time so i wrote a ebook a little pdf for magicians and a day or two after writing it it started getting getting pirated around um and so one of my considerations is would i make my software for android and i know there are ways to protect apps on android but because i am a little bit concerned it kind of drives me off of that. And I think a lot of other magic app developers have a similar thing. So normally magic apps are only kind of for sale on iPhones because they're also such high price that it would be cheaper for someone to go out and perhaps buy a, a cheaper Android device and get the APK for free somewhere than it would be for them to, um, to to buy the app legitimately. So what
2: about you know, purchasing a magic trick makes it ideal for an app? Is it is it like a video, or what makes it better than like a video or a book that you might be able to buy?
1: Right, yeah, it's it's tricky to answer that without telling you, without perhaps giving too much away. Um, so normally, normally the, the trick itself would rely on some of the features of a phone. So so it's not just teaching you how to perform the effect; it's also giving you the functionality to do it. So because the effect might be uh, is is normally technical in nature, so the, the effect would need you'd need the phone with you uh, to be able to perform the effect uh, for for most of these magic apps.
0: Well, this feels so abstract because I don't know what any of your apps do or how the tricks work, but I'm curious what kinds of uh, technologies you use. I mean, are you building apps with UI kit? Are you doing stuff with game engines?
1: Um, are you using kind of the full array of sensors in the phone? So so I'll I, I tell you I, I have an app on the store that is free, um, and it is, uh, it's called WebFX. It's uh, not my not my favorite app by any means, but I think it's something that's still worthy of, of existing. It's a, it's a very, very, very simple product. It's something, It's one of the first things I made. It was in fact the first app that I made that I referenced earlier, uh, back in 2013 or 14 or so. Um, and it simply is a trick. The effect I can explain to you, you tell someone to visit a website, they go to a, a, your own website perhaps, and they see a photograph of yourself. Um, you ask them a couple of questions. I normally present it when I have the person look away from the site for a second. They'll look at me. It's on their own phone, which I, which I always like. Um, so the spectator would look at, look at me as they're, they'll, they'll look at the photo, they'll look away for a second. I ask them some questions, how much they remember about the photo. Um, and one question I ask is, do you, do you, you know, name the first playing card that comes to your head and perhaps they'll say, I don't know, the four of clubs. And when they look back down, um, uh, I point out to them that in the background, they didn't realize there was a, uh, a uh, playing card in the photo itself of the four of clubs, pasted on the back wall or something, or reflected in the mirror, or something like that. Um, and so, so the app itself is letting is is yeah U- UI kit and the, the technologies aren't incredibly advanced, but the app is simply letting the magician secretly code in the playing card. Um, and there's some client side uh, JavaScript which is changing the card on that person's phone, reacting to whatever the magician is coding in secretly in their pocket or via some mechanism on their side. So uh, it teaches you how to do the effect. Uh, and it's a very, very simple tool um, that's kind of, its power is in its covertness, allowing the magician to to change that card or change the image that gets switched out seamlessly on the spectator's phone. So we're all just sitting here just checking out the to, uh, the link here. You can check out the show
2: notes. It's got a WebFX. Yes, and, that's the one. Yep, okay. The one. I'm just reading it, which I should get back to the podcast, right? Um, so is this a good one um, for regular people to check out?
1: Yeah, I, I made it free um, so that you know more people can kind of kind of grab it and have a have a play. It's like I say, it's not probably my it's not something I'm most proud of. It's not particularly um, the best effect in the world. I think I think it's got merit because uh, if presented well, the person should it should feel like it's um, simply an image you're showing them. In fact, one of the options is that it puts the .jpg, .jpg extension on, so when you send it to someone, especially in Safari, it looks like they're just looking at an image, so it doesn't feel like there's any uh, uh, scripts or anything that could be on that page it feels like you're just send them a link to a jpeg um i i think it's worth checking out i think yeah certainly certainly happy for for people to have a play with it it's it's free and not one of these crazy expensive things that only working magicians should really be able to uh afford and play around with but but yeah yeah absolutely
2: now when you say effect i i think there's a special term meaning to that in the magician world that I, i'm not quite clear of. what do you actually mean by an effect
1: sorry yes absolutely so so a um, even magicians kind of might not get their head around it so so an effect sometimes means a a trick in general um, but I'm, I'm using it here to mean uh, simply the the effect the perceived um the the, the, the perceived actions that the spectator is witnessing so the the narrative and the actual the fact that so the spectator would describe the effect in this case as he, the magician sent me a picture of a playing card or of of, of himself or whatever um, asked me to name any card and when I inspected the picture closely sure enough that card that I named uh, was in the photo So that's the effects the method is that the magician Somehow, you know, switch that photo out the, the spectator should be unaware of the method should only be aware of the effect and both are happening both both need to be Conveyed within the app. So the app needs to kind of make the buyer aware of what the effect is and obviously what the method is and how to use it uh, So a trick has an effect on a method
2: Okay so you mentioned part of the, the illusion of the effect is you're sending someone a file that looks like a JPEG, but it's actually some JavaScript. So yes. what if your, yeah. your mark in, in the show is, has some you know, computer security
1: knowledge and, and yep. figures this out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So so you wouldn't want to get to that point. You'd, you'd. So this this trick is probably a bad example of that because it is very overtly a tech trick. Um, with some other stuff, and again, it's it's perhaps a little tricky to, to go into too much detail, but with some other things, it sometimes is a benefit if the person is quite technically minded because you might be... Um, th- you, you really don't want to lead them down the path of how is it done technically. The person should feel that you've just simply uh, made them think of something. So, so the important thing I think with any trick is to make it feel not contrived. Um, I don't want you to think that I'm sending you this link because we're using phones because the method is, uh, is technical in any way. It should feel that I'm sending you the link because I don't have a deck of cards on me. So if we had, uh, playing cards around with us, I would simply say, you know, I want to recreate the feeling of me giving you a card face down and say to you, what card are you thinking of? And then if you say, I don't know the two hearts and I go, "Yep, have a look. That's the feeling I want to recreate. And if I did that, I don't think you're going to start looking around for technical explanations or anything like that. So the reason I couldn't do that perhaps is because I don't have cards on me, but I really want to show you this new card trick I've learned. I'll tell you what, let me, let me Google for a card and I secretly load you to the image of this JPEG. Um, Don't look at it just yet. Maybe we'll leave the phone face down, but it's simply just a picture of a playing card. I just found it through Google, which I didn't. I just typed in the URL on your phone. Um, You know, Name name a card, and you say, "I don't know four of hearts." Have a look, and sure enough, it's a picture of the four of hearts. I think if I did it casually and off the cuff, and perhaps I waited for you to ask me to perform the effect rather than uh, uh, insisting that I did it, um, I think I think you can really kind of generate this feeling that there's no technical method at play. We're simply using phones because it, it was a requirement of the of the situation. I didn't have cards on me, and you wanted to see a trick. So I think the answer is with enough social engineering, you can get through anything. Yes, it's 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 incredibly about social engineering. It, it, it's exactly the same thing. Um, but uh, ma- magicians have been doing it for a, for a long time and do it very very well. And I think coming back to tech, it it goes back to the normal terms of social engineering. But exactly, it's exactly that. So are magicians like good security computer se- security people? There's a huge overlap. Yeah, absolutely. I I know quite a few people. There's um yeah yeah quite quite a few people in in, in similar fields. It's it's absolutely something that. Uh, that the magicians are quite good at yeah i do you, have you done a lot of
0: uh have you done a lot of ios app development outside of uh, magic apps other kinds of apps
1: no I, I i really want to i think i've been um surrounded with uh, uh magic apps for quite a while and uh i the, the tricky way to get out it's tricky for me to get out because i'm i'm i think i know magic quite well um and it's yeah. I I would love to. I would love to one day. I'm I'm so into the magic scene at the moment that I don't know what else I would do right now. But um yeah. So
0: there is no judgment behind that. I wasn't suggesting
1: you should be doing other. No, things. absolutely, absolutely. It's something I think very much uh, a, a lot about. Yeah.
0: I was just going to ask if um, magic and being a magician and working on these magic apps informed you know things you did in in non magic apps.
1: Right, yes. Um, well, I mean, I'm certainly very conscious of it. Every time I build something new, I'm always thinking, uh, this could be useful for for this or something. I, I kind of form up these kind of categories in my head as to, you know, I, I, I sometimes over-engineer some things. Magicians who are developers are normally primarily magicians, and I, I certainly feel that way too. Um, but I try to really take care as to some of the architecture with within my work, I, I at least so that if I ever was to make an app for the general public and, and not a magic app that I could maybe hit the ground running a bit more than, than I would be able to if I was starting fresh.
0: What else should we cover, Mark, that we haven't talked about?
1: Um, I wrote some notes. Let me have a look at my notes. I, um, I have a good... Um, yeah, actually, I don't, know if that's, I don't know if that's hugely relevant, but um, I, in, in releasing my ebook, uh, I had a good mechanism of catching people who, uh, who downloaded it illegally um that was that was just a fun hobby
0: have you well piracy is not as big of a deal i guess on ios Um.
1: right right but so so this ebook was simply a pdf it would um uh was 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 torrented the very next day oh sure
0: i i was gonna ask if you had done anything like that in your apps but
1: got it got it yeah no not as much like i say about the android thing i think that would have been a bigger problem if i you know when when i go to android i think i just have to kind of approach that one carefully um i'm not saying that android's a terrible system or anything like that i just i just don't know enough about it to know how to encrypt the apks properly and haven't ventured in it but yes uh, well, on ios i haven't done much there
0: is also the idea that ios users in general tend to have more money and so i wonder i i'd be curious to know i mean the market for apps that are as expensive as some of the ones you were talking about uh is is limited on ios i mean 300 hundred dollar app is pretty unusual um and i bet yep. that's even more true
1: on android is my guess right 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 yeah i i think i think that way too um but i suspect i suspect these days you can buy android phones for almost the same price as iphone so i i don't know I, I i worry that that notion might be uh, a, a little less true today than it, than it than it was or you know maybe that's a good thing maybe that's a bad thing i'm not sure
0: yeah, well, I think the issue is that there are there are you know high end Android phones that are as expensive as an iPhone, but there are not cheap iPhones that are as cheap as a
1: right, right, exactly, Android. absolutely, yeah, yeah. So uh, one f- thing, one thing that could be useful. I'm sorry to hope, hope it's not too much of an editing job to to suddenly talk a bit candidly about uh, about what it is that I've noted down here. Um, I wrote a piece for a, a magic publication about uh, it was called the Ten Commandments of Tech Magic. And I think because tech magic these days is quite unexplored amongst magicians, I was writing as to what kind of could be considered good tech magic and what could be considered bad. So I tried to kind of lay out some rules um, that magicians could follow when thinking about magic with phones. Um, I suspect one of the one of the things to consider um, is is some effects just don't translate well to technology, so if you had a picture of a playing card on the screen and you could turn the card over. Uh, on the screen. It's very clear that that card, the, ba- the back of the card and the front of the card don't correlate like they do in the real world. If you add someone um, to find, you know, to find the lady trick with the three cards face down um, and you ask someone to track where the Queen of Hearts is and every time they tap on the first two cards, they, they're wrong. You get the Six of Spades and the Seven of Clubs or whatever and you always get, you know, they always make sure that the app could easily make sure that the spectator doesn't find the Queen. Um, it's, it's a I think, a, a fair example of a bad Magic app where, it's quite clear that physics doesn't work on a phone. So there's there's a lot of considerations I think to make when you're when you're coming up with a with a tech trick. But.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Another another angle that's interesting to me is, I mean, maybe maybe it's less of a thing now than it was, you know, ten even ten years ago or something. But is there is there a lot you know is there a is there a feeling among magicians that um, this kind of tech magic is somehow Oh, I'm thinking about DJs because I worked on DJ software for a long time, and there there is a certain class of DJs who are kind of of the opinion that unless you're DJing on vinyl on a turntable, it's sort of not real DJing. You know, um, is absolutely. that a thing at all?
1: That's absolutely a thing. Yeah, there's there's a there's a huge school of thought that that magic apps are a uh, 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 not traditional. You, I mean, if someone says they're a magician, it could mean a thousand different things. It could mean that they're um. Uh, they're really good at building illusions. They might know nothing of card magic, certainly nothing of app magic and no no coin. You ask them to do a trick on the street, they wouldn't be able to do a thing for you. But they could absolutely call themselves a magician because they're really good at building stage illusions. Uh, And similarly, someone could be really, really good at like building intricate gimmicks with magnets and all these kind of little things. And they'll know nothing about any other world. Uh, And I know people in all these different categories and we all consider ourselves magicians. Um, So you'll, you'll get a ton of people um, either because they're so ingrained in their way of thinking about magic and how they consider themselves a magician, who who would say, well, magic with phones isn't isn't magic. And I completely understand why. And it's because they're probably thinking along those lines of thinking, well, you know, if you had a playing card on a phone, then that wouldn't work like a playing card does in the real world. Um, uh, that's my suspicion as to why they'd think. I, th- I think you can... You can still do a trick that's incredibly falling, and perhaps even more so using technology. My example of doing a trick with Wikipedia, for example, is clearly more impressive than doing a trick with a book because you can show there are significantly more words on Wikipedia than there would be in a book that you hand someone to choose from. Um, so you can you can try to make the case to someone that it is actually way more impressive to do it with technology, or perhaps at least even um, at least even as impossible if you were going to do the same trick. Um, there's absolutely this this, this notion that that app magic is might not be as pure as uh, as card magic. But, you know, I, I love all magic. I started as a magician. I, I still consider myself a magician. I'm a huge fan of card magic and coin magic and stage magic and all magic that I see. I just think app magic is another cool category that people should kind of do and learn and be able to do tricks that are pretty cool at a moment's notice. All right, Andrew, we're counting on you uh, for a magic show at DubDub.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. All right. I I I have I have a bunch of card tricks um that are, you know, in a box in my closet from when I was a teenager, but I haven't done any of them for twenty years.
2: Hey, as Mark said, doesn't take long to get back into it.
1: It really doesn't. Really doesn't. I think uh, there's a lot you can learn. There's some really cool tricks. There's a really good blog um uh called the jerks.com which is uh, an excellent excellent blog, and he's got some tricks on the site which are which are incredible. His way of thinking is about not the effect but about the kind of performance and the presentation, uh, which I think is an excellent way to think about any magic trick it's It's not about the um it it really is about the performance and the kind of characters that you're that you're assuming and stuff and yeah, I think in no time you can you can learn some really really killer effects and we should say j e r x for the jerks yeah okay yes
2: if you search for j-e-r-x you're gonna find the movie and some punk bands
1: um but there we go right right. a-r-x j-e-r-x exactly
0: you have an app called jerks
1: i do i made the app for his uh, site so so it's it's that's probably my highest priced app and the reason for it uh is is a tricky one it's because it's really designed for the buyers of his book to be able to use and so we're trying to figure out a way, way of, of distributing it in a small uh, area. It's, it's uh, some people say, yeah, people, people have bought it. It's, it's certainly for sale. Um, There's a, he's got a really, really kind of small released book uh, amongst a very, you know, and niche audience um, who also get a copy of the app.
0: All right. Well, if there's nothing else, I think uh, we're, we're getting close to time. So um, let's get to picks. James, do you have any picks for us? All right, I've got one pick, and I think I picked
2: it before, but things have things have moved forward with the rockstar language. Um, you know, if you're sitting around, you want to code, or you want to want to, you want to write a power ballad. It, you know, like what are you gonna do? Like, you have to choose, right? Not anymore. Um, it's a whole language which is designed to sound like a '80s power ballad, like every rose has its thorn. So if you want to write fizzbuzz. You might say, if midnight, taking my world, fire is nothing, shout Fizz, take it to the top. Um, that's part of the Rockstar language. Um, and that's part of FizzBuzz. So if you have nothing better to do, and hopefully you do have something better to do, but hey, if you just want to check out the Rockstar language, it um, looks pretty cool. So the spec's out, it's on GitHub. You can check it out yourself. That's my pick.
0: Cool. Yeah, I've seen that a couple times. It's pretty good um mark do you have any picks for us
1: so the jerks blog that i mentioned is is excellent if you're interested in in performing magic in any way or just kind of want to learn more i think it's a it's an excellent uh, excellent site um that, that i'm a huge fan of it's really really funny and really great um otherwise uh any magic show on netflix there's a there's a few really really good ones uh, the last couple of David Blaine specials are fantastic. If you have last watched David Blaine in his early days, they're, they're really, really good. Um, I also did a little bit of work uh, with a man called Darren Brown. His last TV special called Sacrifice is on Netflix too, um, which, is, which is great. I make a little cameo inside it because I made the app that's used on the show too. Um, and that's probably it. Any, any magic that you can watch is, is, is always great and if you're interested in, in app and tech magic in general. Uh, that's good too. Great.
0: I have one pick. Uh, My pick is the TriSwift conference in Tokyo. It's coming up in, as we record this, it's about, I don't know, five or six weeks away. I'm actually going to be speaking at it. Uh, I'm pretty excited because I'm mostly just excited to be in Japan again, Uh, but the conference is also really, really good. One of the things that I really like about it is that unlike uh, conferences in the US or maybe even Europe, um, it's full of Japanese developers who otherwise tend to be a little bit isolated from the community in the West, the community of iOS developers in the West, mostly because of the language barrier. Um, but you get to go meet a bunch of really smart people that are out there doing cool stuff uh, on iOS, but you know, you don't find them on, on English Twitter or whatever. So, you know, if it's, if it's at all possible for you to go, I certainly recommend it. And Tokyo is my favorite city in the world. So that doesn't hurt. Sounds awesome.
1: That's great.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for, for talking to us, Mark. Um, it's been kind of fascinating hearing about the stuff that you do because it is definitely a niche market that I haven't heard about before uh, talking to you and to know that somebody's, you know, in it, working, making their living, doing it is pretty cool.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me on. I hope it's been uh, insightful and, and perhaps useful to to hear about. All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap up
0: and see everyone next week. I'll see you. Great. See you.